Good morning, and welcome to the Sunday service of Free Community Church. Thank you so much for joining us today, whether you're on-site, and for those of you who are watching online from home or watching during the week, thank you for joining us as well. So we're really, really excited again to be able to bring you live worship this week. As you can see behind me is our lovely worship team, and um, they've been, you know, we're so grateful to all of them for the hard work and the heart and the soul they pour into the practices to prepare for this live worship, and to those who you don't see on, um, you know, those behind the cameras doing the sound, we're really grateful to all of you for bringing us live worship, which really enhances our worship experience, so very excited for that, and it almost feels like church is coming back to normal. Now we have coffee served every Sunday, so if you're thinking, well, is it time for me to return to church? Yes, it is. Please come and join us every Sunday here. So um, let's take a moment to greet one another. If you're here, you can turn to your neighbor, give them a wave. Uh, if you're online, you can type into the chat, um, you know, a greeting, peace be with you. And we have a moderator online who will be standing by to respond to your chats as you do that. So as we prepare our hearts for worship, please stand as you're willing and able and join me in the call to worship. Hungry for meaning. Welcome, Welcome home. home. Thirsty for purpose, welcome, welcome home. home. Yearning for comfort, welcome, welcome home. Burning for challenge, welcome, welcome home. Ready for learning, welcome, welcome home. home. Eager for serving, welcome, welcome home, home and, and welcome, welcome to worship. So now let's join our hearts and voices together in a time of worship. For those of you on site, please be reminded you have to sing with your masks on, but we can still sing as loudly as we can. So I'll turn it over to the worship team. Every hand that reaches out 
every hand that reaches out to offer me, every single act of mercy, every step to kingdom come. As I shall live, I will testify to love. I'll be a witness in the silences with words not enough. With every breath I take, I'll give thanks to God above. For as long as I shall live, I will testify to love. Just the voices. For as long as I shall live, I will testify to love. I'll be a witness in the silences when words are not enough. With every breath I take, I'll give thanks to God above. For as long as I shall live, I will testify to love. There's a place 
Hi, good morning, church. My name is Mark, uh, and I'll be guiding you through prayer today. Uh, I will start off with a segment of uh, guided prayer, uh, followed by um, this segment where I will just be silent, and you can name any concerns or, or prayers of your heart and lift it up to God. Okay? So let's close our eyes and prepare ourselves for prayer. Uh, as you close your eyes, Try to get a sense of the space around you and rest in your breath, knowing that the presence of the one who knows us, who feels everything we feel, and who stands alongside us, is with us. To the God of many names, thank you for this time that we can rest in your presence. Thank you for the freedom we enjoy when we are called your children. Free to be honest with you and with each other. Free to set aside pretenses we often put up, thinking that these pretenses, these false appearances that we put up, is what is needed to be loved. In you, we are also free to cast aside divisions created by humankind, divisions that discriminate and oppress others and ourselves. Lord, you make us free when we come to see the hollowness of the ways of the world and we gain true insight into the kind of freedom that bears the fruit of the Spirit the virtues of love, joy, peace,
peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. As people of the Free Community Church, we are liberated to live out the greatest commandment of all, which is to love our God and to love our neighbour as ourselves. Forgive us for the times we place you in a tiny little box of our limited views of who you are and what you can do. Forgive us for the times we assume too much about your way and your will for us, for this community and the world we live in. Broken as it is, it is still the world that you have called very good. So forgive us for the times we fail to treasure this world and tend to it beautifully, wonderfully, as it is made. Forgive us for the times we live in false senses of freedom as if we are not accountable to you or the people around us. Forgive us for the times we come to you crying for help and yet at the same time fail to surrender to you and your will for us. And for the times we fail to listen to the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Lord, Forgive us for not always living out your commandment of love for you, for our neighbour and ourselves. Lord, may your work work uninhibited in our community, in FCC and beyond in the wider church in which FCC participates and is a part of. Bless FCC, this church, and this community so that it is a place where your people can develop a strong and healthy relationship with ourselves, with each other, and most of all, with you. Lord, wash us in the cleansing water of the Holy Spirit and let anything in our hearts in our minds that does not bring us closer to you be washed away. Lord, you said in your word, see, I have given you authority to tread on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and that nothing can hurt you. But how often do we live in a state of defeat and slavery to the ways of living that do not bring life, rather than in a state of empowerment and mastery over our lives and our circumstances, and find peace, not as the world understands, but as peace that you give to us. Help us, Lord, in FCC to gain the insight and understanding we need 
to live as true disciples of the way, who in the way we live and participate in the world and in your work, break in the kingdom of heaven. Lord, now as we take a few moments to name the concerns of our hearts and lay at your feet all our needs and worries, thanksgivings and desires, help us to be completely open and honest with you. You are the mighty one who commands us to live as lambs in the midst of wolves. You are the one who commands us to proceed in this world courageously and with nothing but a conviction that we are witnesses and participants of your will. Lord, we pray that your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Saviour. Amen. Good morning. I want to welcome all of you this Sunday morning, uh, whether you are online or you are um, joining us in person. Glad to see all of you. Um, as we have done for quite a while now, and for those of you who have joined us for the first time, we use Minty as a way to interact and to collaborate on building the sermon together. And you can join us um, on either, you know, whether you scan the QR code or you can go to fcc.last/mentee, or go to menti.com and enter the, the code 48727029. 
um, and you can participate in this manner. Um, of course, now with the fcc.la slash mentee, it's very easy to just join us um, throughout. Um, and would you join me uh, in prayer before uh, I begin? So God, may the words from my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable to you. Amen. We continue on our sermon series, Speaking Differently, and today we explore the idea of identity. Speaking differently requires us to first open ourselves up to another way of perceiving things, listening differently, seeing differently, interpreting differently. And how we perceive things often hinge on our identity, who we are. So very quickly, we jump in straight to Menti, and I want to ask you, who are you? Who are you and what comes up to your mind? You know, the things that just come up and just key in. Human being, child of God. Child of God should be quite high up on your list because we sang it. You know, it's the words echoing in the worship songs that we sang. Half closet. A child of God. Yes, I am. Yes. Um, my name, beloved. Dad. Well, it's moving too quickly. Architect. I can guess who's the one keying that up. <laughs> in. No, not difficult. Agent of change. Confused, master, sad, child, flawed, multifaceted beings, slave in my company. Thank you. But you can see that child of God seems to be echoing, right? And I think that's how we all resonate um, here. Human being, son, spouse or partner, disciple of Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for reflecting on that. I can see quite a lot of you are, <laughs> are responding, 33 of you. And I want, to think, uh, I want to ask you, how many of you think that three entries was not enough and you keyed in more than three because the options allows you to go back and key some more? How many of you did? No, those of you who are present uh, here, how many of you keyed in more than three? You went back and key some more? No. Yes, at least one. Okay. I would have thought more, right? You know, it's like, or, or did you feel like, oh, I, I just fill up three, lah, you know, that's the number of boxes available um, just to, you know, participate and tick the boxes. We are not just defined by one identity. We hold multiple identities. Some are tied to our social, cultural background, our nationality, our race. Some are tied to our relationships, we are daughters, sons, children. We are sisters, brothers, siblings. Some of us are mothers, fathers, and parents. And some of our identity is tied to our profession. And it isn't realistic to reduce anyone to just one identity. And which brings me to the next point, right? Who we are connect is actually connected to what we are supposed to do. Now, just risk it a little bit. Players, gonna, players are going to play, haters are going to hate, fakers are going to fake. Okay, some people get the reference, right? 
uh, wrong. And that's a shorthand way of reducing someone to just a caricature. Who exactly are these players, these haters, and these fakers? We're reducing them to a single thing because that dehumanizes them. That dehumanizes that person that we don't like, we don't agree with, or just someone who is different from us. So it is easier to ignore, discriminate, vilify, hate, and even harm them. And I think we need to resist this oversimplification. I have to come to see that every person in the Hebrew Bible, if you read carefully, is a complex mix. None of them are perfect. And the best example is the one described as a man after God's heart, King David. Man after God's heart is the same person who committed others after someone else's wife, committed the adultery, committed murder. The historical records that we know in history arrive with books and records that whitewash all the wrongdoings of kings and rulers and those they consider heroes. But not here, not in the Hebrew Bible. Why is this done this way? It is so that we can identify with, learn from, learn from them, their struggles and their weaknesses. So when I read the news about the shooting in Oslo, some news agencies, I'm not sure if all of you are, uh, know what happened in Oslo, the, the night before or the early mornings of um, the day of the Pride Parade in Oslo, um, a shooter w- went down and shot people in the London club, the biggest gay venue um, that, uh, in the heart, labelled this perpetrator an Islamist terrorist. And I reacted quite quickly, you know, like, there are two things that happened, you know, it's like, oh no, another shooting. And then something else cropped up too. Because I don't like that word. That word is a very biased word. A Christian extremist killed 77 people in Norway, same country. Why wasn't, him, why wasn't he labelled Christianist? The word Islamist betrays the Islamophobia that's so apparent here. And maybe we don't see it. You know, we keep using that word because the newspapers use that word. Every religion has its fair share of extremists. It is not right to just single out one religion. I mean, yeah, my example of the, you know, the, the man who shot 77 and killed 77 people in Norway. He identifies Christian. His, his think ideology um, derives from his religious perspectives. This kind of shorthand and prejudiced writing sows the seed of discord and fear rather than establish understanding amongst people. We need to be very careful here. And I think that one of the reasons why I'm able to pick it up is because I was taught well, my secondary school teacher, Mrs. Elba, played a video when I was in secondary three from CNN years ago during the Gulf War. I remembered it very clearly. It was a clip of a group of Arab men 
in civilian clothing, shouting angrily at the camera. You don't know what they're shouting about, but they're angry, certainly. Then it cuts to another group of Arab men brandishing their AK-47s, their rifles, you know, and shouting something again. And you don't hear what they're shouting because they're just background um, you know, um, visuals to what they were saying, right? And then it cuts to a group of Arab men, you know, military as well, praying at sunset next to tanks. And then my teacher, Mrs. Elba, asked, what has these three scenes got to do with the news story? This was about the Kuwait, uh, Kuwaiti invasion and the Iraq war at that time. Well, maybe the men in military gear might be connected, but all the other things, not much. This is propaganda and brainwashing that the media often engages in to subtly make us think about a certain group of people in a certain way. And these three visuals is trying to shape our thinking that Arab men equals angry, equals militarized, and equals Islam. She, in that moment, inoculated me from propaganda against Muslims. It is like, you know, having the vaccine. And also helped me to be very critical and aware how media is used to manipulate how we see things and people. So as we think about identities, let us not reduce people into single identity so we stop seeing them as a fellow human being deserving of love, deserving, deserving of compassion. So I want to move to explore the lectionary reading from the Hebrew Bible today, from 2 Kings chapter 5, and explore this through the idea of identity, or more accurately, identities. I tried to think of ways of doing this, but given that this is not exactly a chapter in the Bible that you are familiar with, I have to read the whole thing. But before I start reading the whole thing, I want to invite you to pay attention. Pay attention as though you are there in the scene. And perhaps imagining yourself to be present with the characters. And sometimes this shift in perception helps us see things that we might just gloss over normally. And so as I ask these questions, you know, ask, invite you into the story, I'm not only inviting you to dig deeper into this narrative, I'm also inviting you to use the, these as tools to how you can approach other passages in the Bible. The key to this approach is curiosity, instead of trying to arrive at a correct answer. Curiosity helps us to learn how to speak differently. So 2 Kings chapter 5. Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Aram, was a great man and in high favour with his master because by him the Lord had given victory to Aram. The man, though a mighty warrior, suffered from leprosy. There's a footnote there. Leprosy, as presented in the Bible, is not the leprosy that we understand today in medical terms. Um, it is probably some skin affliction, right? Now, I want to ask, very, no, jump ready. Who is Naaman? 
from the short paragraph that I just read. Who is Naaman? Or you all didn't pay attention. Just hum tam la. Man, very good. A general, a commander of the army. A Gentile, which means not a Jew, right? A leper. Some guy, some dude. That's accurate, you know, to some degree. Favoured, mighty warrior, military leader, blessed by God. I never heard of Naaman. And that's, that's a good thing because as we explore every time, you know, I don't think everyone knows the whole Bible back and forth in its entirety. It is good to explore and understand. A servant, diseased, win wars, yeah. Given his identities, right, that you have put down there, what assumptions do we have of him? All right. Can you imagine him looking like, you know, if you are Chinese, then he might look like Guan Gong, you know, a, a mighty general with a, a big weapon, a spear, um, um, a halberd. I don't know. I don't know what weapons they used back then, or a sword. But there's something that's odd here. Aram is located in modern-day Syria and the southern western, southwestern part of Turkey. And this is where Aramaic comes from, Aram, Aramaic. And if you read 2 Kings and more of that, you realize that Aram, the, the, the nation of Aram, is actually an enemy of the Israelites. And God gave, uh, God gave Naaman victory. This is the giving victory to the enemy in some ways. Hold that thought. Very weird thing that's going on here. Let me continue with the rest of the story. Now the Arameans on one of the, their raids had taken a young girl captive from the land of Israel and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. And then I am asking, Who is this girl? Who is this girl? Enter into the story. Who is this girl that I just... What is her identity? She's an Israelite. Captive, slave, lever, a messenger. Prophet. Mm, I'm not so sure about prophet. We are all prophets in some ways, I think. Instrument of God. Jew. A helpful girl. Compassionate. Seems slave um, is popping up. Uh, I don't think that she's a girlfriend of uh, Amun. Or Na, his Naaman. I think you're trying to say girlfriend of Naaman. Well, she was a servant girl of the wife. Thank you. Hold these two people in your mind. What are identities and what we assume of them and what they are assumed to do? While I continue with the rest of the story, which gets quite interesting along the way. So, Naaman went in and told his lord, the king, just what the, girl said from the, what the girl from the land of Israel had said. 
and the king of Aram, go then and I'll send along a letter to the king of Israel. He went, taking with him talents of silver, 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 sets of garments. He brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read, When this letter reaches you, know that I have sent to you my servant Naaman, that you may cure him of his leprosy. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to give death or life? that this man sends word to me to cure a man of leprosy? Just look and see how he is trying to pick a quarrel with me. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent a message to the king, Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come to me, that he may learn there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman, came with his horses and chariots and halted at the entrance of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go, wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh will be restored and you shall be clean. Oops. But Naaman became angry and went away, saying, I thought that for me he will surely come out come out and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and he will wave his hand over the spot and cure the leprosy. But his servants approached him and said to him, Father, if the prophet had commanded you to do something difficult, wouldn't, would you have not have done it? How much more when he, all he said to you was, wash and be clean. So he went down and immersed himself seven times in the Jordan according to the word of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a young boy, and he was clean. Then he returned to the man of God, and he and all his company, and he came and stood before him and said, Now I know there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. Please accept a present from your servant." But he said, As the Lord lives, whom I serve, I will accept nothing. He urged him to accept, but he refused. Then Naaman said, If not, please let two mule loads of earth be given to your servant, for your servant will no longer offer burnt offerings or sacrifice to any god except the Lord. But may the Lord pardon your servant on one count. When my master goes into the house of Rimen to worship, leaning on my arm, and I bow down in the house of Rimen, when I do bow down in the house of Rimen, may the Lord pardon your servant on this one count. He said to him, Go in peace. FYI, Rimen is another name for Baal. So if you don't if you don't realize, it's actually worshiping Baal, one no, one of the gods that Yahweh's against, you know, all the deities. Then sometimes our identities and what we are expected to do because of who we are come into conflict. So when Naaman asked Elisha, when the king goes to worship in the temple of Rimen. He has to accompany the king, and when the king bows, Naaman will also have to bow. His identity as a commander of the army, accompanying the king to the temple, clashes 
with his new identity as a follower of the Lord, Yahweh. But contrary to what we normally hear, that our God is a jealous God, Elisha pardons him. Go in peace. Have you experienced times when different aspects of who you are come into conflict? Sorry, I had a question, Salah. Have you experienced times when different aspects of your identity and who you are come into conflict? And I would like to invite you to reflect and maybe share a little bit about that. Sometimes it's very simple. We could be torn between two people, right? And I think that, uh, you know, sometimes it's our loyalty or our relationship with one person and the two people, two people having relationship, uh, we have relationship with them, that's part of our identity, right? And then we are drawn to be torn between these two people because of their conflict. Holding joysticks as paying respect to grandparents who passed. I came to peace though at first I resisted. That's quite appropriate with the text here. And I'll talk more about that later on. My parents are Buddhists. And that implies, I guess, you know, since you're attending FCC, that you are Christian. And there's a conflict. My parents and I are of different faiths. Yes, wanting to do more in the community and not being able to. Cannot understand the question. The question is asking... Have you experienced times when your identity in one area conflicts with another part of who you are? Funeral, to take part in the ritual or to stand firm by saying no. My parents and I go to different churches. Even within the same religion, we might, have been, we might be torn between our identities, right? Compassion versus encouraging bad habits of others. Yes, we can be compassionate, yet not enabling. Uh, being a leader and being human, seeming like I'm choosing others over my partner, Eastern philosophy and Christian dogma. Sometimes we are torn between that, right? Because of coming out, I left conservative church and joining FCC. Yeah. LGBTQ and Christian, that, that is a major part of many of us who struggle with our sexuality and, and our faith. And oftentimes, it feels as though they are conflicting. Me working amongst conservative thinking, anti-colleagues in healthcare settings who are disgusted with homosexuals, and then you can't come out, right? Yep. And LGBTQ community doesn't, usually don't like Christians, and for good reasons, and sometimes we feel we're stuck in the middle. Thank you. Thank you for your responses. Sometimes our professional identity comes in conflict with our relationships. Sometimes our religious identity comes in conflict with our professional identity. How many times? That sometimes we are told to do this to meet our KPIs, but we feel our conscience acting out, 
or we feel that maybe this might not be that right. Sometimes it is a matter of ethics. We do what is loving, what is right, and what is just. But sometimes this conflict is rather silly. And I, I asked Celeste if I could share her story. Celeste was baptized in FCC in 2020. And she came to FCC because she was told she cannot be a yoga teacher and be baptized as a Christian by another. By, and she was told that by another church. That is not what we believe here at FCC. And so, um, we actually have uh, one of our after-church activities doing yoga with Celeste leading. Thank you. Because I think her story echoes Naaman's story in some way. What Naaman's story reveals is a God who isn't a jealous God, but a God who knows. A God who knows us deeply, completely, and a God who loves us, loves us beyond imagination. A God who looks into our hearts rather than outward appearances. Many of you have talked about funeral rites and rituals for our loved ones. I have been heard I've been asked that many times. And then my reply to them often is, what is going on in your heart when you're holding on to the joysticks? What is going on in your heart when you're going through the funeral rites and rituals? I think that's what God looks at. Are you worshipping your grandma? I don't think so. Are you worshipping your late father? I don't think so. It is not the place for anyone else to judge, but between you and God. That's what the prophet Elisha did, not judge. Because Naaman was open and honest about what he needs to do as his role, as his profession, as the loyal subject to his king, but at the same time, his heart, he's not worshipping Baal. He was performing a task. And we need to keep that in mind. And then, there are times that we are expected to do or expected to behave in a certain way because of who we are and that needs to be re-examined. So, we have Naaman on one side, and then we have this young girl. Who is this young girl? Who told Naaman's wife that the prophet in Samaria can cure him. The text almost reduces her into a simple plot device to move the narrative along. Just like you watch some shows, right? There's just one person who happens to be there and says something to the hero and the hero can move from this place to the next place and then that's it. That's what the character does. You know, like give directions or something. But there's something more here. She wasn't just a young servant girl. She was taken captive during a raid. She was a slave. She was an Israelite. Can you imagine? It's not too far off to think that Naaman and his army may have killed her entire family. 
not too far off. She was captured on a raid. What do you think happens on raids? They were bargaining, exchanging you know, people or, or, you know, oh, I pay you for, 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 for your girl, you know. No, they were raiding. They were killing. They were pillaging. She was one of the, 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 one of the spoils of war. As a captive slave, as an Israelite, what would we have imagined her to be? We would have expected her to harbour resentment and even hate towards Naaman. Yet, she offered information that will help him with the one thing that Naaman struggles with, his leprosy. There's something to learn here. When we align ourselves with God's way, we learn to love even our enemies. We don't see them as a single-dimensional caricature, but fellow human beings created in the image of God. And our identities sometimes can hold us back. Remember how Naaman reacted when he arrived with horses and chariots at the entrance of Elisha's house? You can imagine the scene. You know, this general arriving with truck, you know, chariots and, and, and horses carrying gifts. Very drama and, and establishing who I am. It's almost like a, arriving in a limousine or a Rolls Royce that we have many downstairs in the showrooms to show who, I'm, who I am. But then, when he arrives, what happens? He only gets greeted by a messenger. Go wash yourself in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored. Elisha didn't even come out. And of course, Naaman got angry. But why? Because of who he was, or who he thought he was. Naaman was a man, a great man, and in high favour with his master, the king of Aram. He expected to be treated like a VIP. He expected you know, everyone to be prostrating in front of him. He expected everything to be done for him. Treated as like royalty or next to royalty, right? He expected Elisha to come out there and perform the miracle there and then. You can even picture Naaman saying, Do you know who I am? That comes from a space of ego. And when did Elisha finally step out to meet Naaman? When Naaman let go of his ego and demonstrated humility. Now, don't mistake humility with subservience or false modesty. Humility is knowing yourself well. Knowing yourself so that you're able to receive affirmation and praise without letting your ego swell. And when people say things about you that's not true, you can let it go. You are not affected. And you don't go around expecting, you know, to be treated like royalty, it's knowing that you're human and the other person's human too. I want to ask you again as we close, this time round, ooh, 
I missed one slide. It's okay. Who are you? We started off with the question, who are you? I'll use back the previous slide so people can answer and you help me scroll up, okay, Lexi? Um, you can use the same, who are you? When we started out, I gave you three blanks to fill up who are you. Many of you replied, what comes to mind straight away? But as we went through looking at Naaman, looking at the slave girl, looking at ourselves in some ways, putting ourselves in that, in that space, now, who are you? Servant of God? And this time around, I gave you a whole paragraph. Okay, you can write more. Who are you? Because our identities give us meaning. They have meaning because our identities connect us to something bigger than ourselves. But they are not the ultimate. I am me. Oh, that's a good answer. I am that I am. Beloved children of God, a child of God most high who can flourish in spite of anything that might have happened to us. Yes. I'm someone fulfilling several roles in my life. Above all, I am a child of light. And through God, I will fulfill my roles. A person who cares about other people. A proud gay man of God. Good for you. Flawed but beloved. Living the best I can enjoying life, blessing others when I can and honour God, hopefully. Someone who has more in common with others despite differences. I am love. I am just me and I am proud, pink and gay. Maybe I can guess who that is too, but not sure. Right. I am worthy. I am a part of this wider world. I am being ever created, moulded, Change and always love by God who has made me. I love that Ta, you know, that, that's a Chinese character, but the, the, the side doesn't um, define gender, but define divinity. Um, righteous and loved in the eyes of God, my Lord. Yes, that is who we are. That's the ultimate thing that you need to remember. That we are all made in the image of God. Every single human being. In the first chapter of the Bible that we read, it says, so God created humankind in God's own image. In God's image, God created them. Male and female, God created them. All of us, are made in God's image. That is the centre of who we are. All those other identities we take along are peripheral. Yes, they have meaning, and they should, but they are not the ultimate. Because when we lift up something to be higher than this, then we lose sight 
of the other people who are different from us. If I lift up my nationality or my race or my gender identity or my sexual orientation as the ultimate, then those people who don't belong in the same category that I am, as I am will be less than. That is not the way. And especially in a religious setting, when we lift up our religious identity as the ultimate, then we would put everyone else as less than. And that isn't what God teaches. We need to be very careful not to feel that we're better than someone else. And this is why we are different in some ways. This is why we carry a different message. This is how we testify to God's love in a very different way. Here at FCC, we say, first, realize everyone's equal. Free. It is this knowledge that we are all equal, that all those identities fade away, that we recognize God in the other person, that we transform the world, that we are liberated and we are free, and we see the liberation and the freedom of others who are different from us as just as important as our own. And that's when God's kingdom breaks into the world. May you always know you are beloved. And may you tell others, those who might be very different from you, that they are beloved too. Amen. So thank you, Pastor Miak, for that great sermon about identity. And as we think about what the world says about us, quite often, that, you know, culture, people around us, they say, you're not enough, you don't have enough. But, you know, what God says about us overrides all that. What God says about each one of us is that we're precious, we're beloved. And the way God says that, one of the ways God says that is communion. So this is why we come to a time of communion when, as we remember Jesus, Remember, God loved you this much. Okay, so now we come to a time of communion. And as we gather each Sunday at this table, even though at this time we're not all physically together, the table of God's feast transcends time and space because God's love transcends all boundaries. So this table recognizes no boundaries. Here at FCC, we celebrate an open table. This means you do not have to meet any criteria you do not have to be a member of FCC. You do not have to be baptized. You only need to recognize that God's grace is sufficient. The cross is two lines intersecting. The cross is where sorrow meets joy, where pain meets healing, 
Fear meets faith, death meets resurrection, and hate meets love. This, this table, table is, is at, at the, the intersection, intersection where, where two lines meet. This table is the declaration that love is stronger. Love is stronger than hate, stronger than death. This table where we break bread is the table of love, the center from where love flows. This, this table, table is, is one, one of, of awareness, awareness awakening, awakening, of forgiveness, of reconciliation, of salvation, of love. With grateful hearts, we break the space of history to share in your vision of sharing at your table where all are equal, all are free. We ask you to bless this bread and this cup. Through this meal, make us the body of Christ that we may join with you in promoting the well-being of all creation. Amen. We remember on the night when Jesus and the disciples had their last meal together, Jesus took the bread gave thanks, and broke it. He gave it to the disciples, saying, This is my body, which is broken for you. Take and eat it, and as often as you do, remember me. In the same way, he took the cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to the disciples. He said, Drink this, all of you. This cup is the new covenant, poured out for you and for many. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. I now invite the stewards to come forward to distribute the elements. If you're watching from home, now would be a great time for you to also get your own uh, elements to represent the bread and the wine so we can all partake together. And for those of you on site, um, we please hold on to the elements when you receive them and we will all um, partake together after that.
God, bless these simple elements so they will nourish and strengthen us in body and in spirit. Let us partake the elements together. May I invite you to stand in body or in spirit to join in this prayer. Lord, make us instruments of your peace. Where there is hatred, let us show love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that we may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. Please be seated. So welcome again to the Sunday service of Free Community Church, where free stands for, as Pastor Miyak said, first realize everyone's equal. FCC is an inclusive church. That means you are welcome here regardless of your theological background, your sexual orientation, your gender identity, your economic status, or any of the other labels the world puts on you. So to those of you who come regularly and those of you who are joining us for the first time, welcome home. Uh, my name is David and I'm the service leader for today. So if today's sermon has blessed you and you're watching online, please do give our video a like, subscribe to our channel, and so you can receive more of our content. Um, so for those of you who are also joining us for the first time, uh, you can scan this QR code or go to fcc.la slash welcome, and there you'll find a form where you can leave your details and one of our staff will reach out to you, find out how we can better serve your needs. And we also have a newcomers meeting at the last Sunday of every month, so that will be on the 31st of July. It's after the service. And this is a time for you to get to meet some of our leaders, find out about our history, our theology, and what we're about, and how you can be part of our community. So if you're interested in joining that meeting, please email info at freecomchurch.org. Okay, so it's the first Sunday of July, and we have a financial update, as always. This is more for our members and for those of you who contribute regularly to FCC. So uh, we have two funds, of course, the general fund, and the, this primarily comprises of our staff, pastors, salaries, as well as all the, the costs we need to run the service, the utilities, and so forth. Um, so for this one, we are slightly below 50%, or actually, this is the halfway point of the year, and um, it looks like we are short by about, um, let's see, where is that? I think it was about 10K, it's 139. Okay, I can't really do the math on the fly, but what I realized is we are slightly behind, and if we, at this current rate, we're going to be probably about 20K behind at the end of the year, at this current, um, now we know God always provides, but of course God provides to his people. So for those of you who do consider FCC your church home, 
Um, we really could use your support. Now, the building fund is primarily for the mortgage on this property, and as of today, we're actually doing pretty well. We almost made our target slightly behind. So really good work, everyone, and thank you so much for your generosity. Uh, if you go to the next slide. So this shows, um, if you see point number two, there uh, we do have two DBS current accounts for the general fund and the building fund. And if you are someone who gives regularly, you can actually use these um, account numbers to set up a standing instruction with your financial institution so that um, you can just decide at the beginning of the year how much you want to commit, and then the regular giving will come to us. Because actually what we really need to ensure our smooth operations, although we do appreciate one-time gifts, what we actually need is a regular source of income. So this, again, just a reminder, if you haven't already done so, please do consider doing so. And of course, we uh, appreciate giving in any form. So if you go to the next slide, there are two ways you can give by PayNow. You can scan these two QR codes, or you can give by credit card at freecomchurch.give.asia. Um, that does have a 1.5% platform fee, but you can also use that platform to set up a recurring donation as well. So please join me as we pray for the offering. Dear God, we trust in you to sustain and support the ministry of this church through the generosity of your people in the giving of their time, their talents, their resources, and their abilities, and financially. And we pray that you'll raise up people who will get behind the ministry of this church, who will support us to be a voice for the marginalized, to help us be a place where all people can find a safe place to worship, a home, especially the LGBT community. And we thank you for all those who have, through generous hearts, supported our ministry over the years and continue to do so. So we pray you bless this offering, bless it for the extension of your kingdom in Singapore and beyond. In Jesus' name, amen. So I invite the stewards to come forward and take up the offering. If you're on site and you would like to drop some cash in the bag, please raise your hand and the stewards will come to you. So while they're going around, we have some announcements. Okay, the first announcement is not on the slides, but it's actually that Pastor Myak is going to be taking some leave. So he'll be on leave for two weeks, starting from this Saturday. So you won't see him for the next two Sundays. Okay, now we can go to the slide. So uh, we are having Living Water and Lush. These are groups for people who are trying to reconcile their faith and sexuality. So they'll go into biblical passages on, on the topic of LGBTQ issues. And they will start in July. So if you're interested in joining these two groups, you can sign up at fcc.la slash LW2022, or you can scan the QR code. We also have After Church Activities, which is ACE. And so this is, you know, a lot of us haven't been at church for a while, and we're, you know, coming back. And then you look around, and you say, wow, I don't, there's a whole lot of new people here who I don't even know, right? So... After church activities are a way for us to actually bond and get to know each other you know, through a fun activity. And just last week, we actually had the painting of the faith rock. So here are a few of uh, some good examples of what was done. And it wasn't just an art and craft exercise, actually. It was very meaningful because as we paint, right, we're actually painting things that God has revealed to us, revelations from God or scriptures that were meaningful to us, expressed through this faith rock. 
So I think those who participated, it was really a fun thing. And we got some good sharing as well. We all got to go around and talk about why we painted what we painted. And so if you missed out on this, there's another one coming up this month. It will be the making of the prayer rope. And this will be on the 24th of July. Now spaces are limited. So please sign up as soon as you can. And you can sign up at fcc.la slash ace or A-C-E. The words are quite small there, but you can fcc.la slash A-C-E. And then there's a kimchi making in August. So there are more announcements will come on that. Okay, and this week we also have, again, we have lunch kakis. So this is a way of reaching out to newcomers. If you've come for the first time and you really don't know anybody, and then everyone goes to lunch and you're left all by yourself, feeling like, oh no, I, I just slip in and I slip out. Please don't let that be your experience here. We really want to welcome you. So we have uh, one person on duty today. He's at the back. If you can raise your hand, Daniel. If you would like to have lunch with someone, go and look for Daniel at the end of the service. He'll be standing around the back. And then we usually go to eat lunch at the coffee shop nearby. So look for Daniel if you want to have someone to have lunch with. And I think that's the last announcement. So now I'll invite the worship team to come up and lead us in a closing song. And then after that, we'll have Pastor Pauline give us the benediction. Oh, yes, please rest. We're waiting for the light to flash. Okay, here we go.
you called us, you drew us to yourself, and you made us children of God. So now go, go as beloved children of God, made in the image of God, to tell many others around you that they are loved too, that they are beloved. And may the God of love go with you now and always as you testify to this wonderful love. Amen. So thank you so much for joining us uh, this Sunday. I hope you enjoyed uh, worshipping together. And I hope to see you again next week. Have a blessed week ahead. Mm -hmm.